What's up, everybody? Welcome to Four Yogs episode 12. Uh, this week, we're going to be recapping uh, some of the major storylines from the world of MMA, going back over UFC 256, which was one of the cards of the year, and uh, setting ourselves up for the MMA awards uh, in a couple of weeks. Suf, what's happening, bro? Yeah, man, everything's good here on this side of the pond. Um, I'm feeling good and I'm ready to get into this week's episode. Talk about last week's card and, and, and all things related to MMA. Yeah, man. So I think the, the place to start really is, is with UFC 256, which happened last Saturday. Going into this card, I think there was, a, you know, some people were saying, oh, Davidson Figueredo is not a big name to host, to, to um, headline a card. Uh, you know, flyweights don't tend to high, high headline cards very often. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think all that talk was shut down with one of the fights of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah, as you said it there, like flyweights, you know, a couple of years ago, or was it two years ago, roughly, Dana White was, you know, angling towards completely shutting down the flyweight division after the departure of Demetrius Johnson and and Henry Cejudo moving up to bantamweight. The flyweight division was kind of at a crossroads, really, and they were kind of on the chopping block, and, and Dana was ready to get rid of them. He already, he already got rid of, he already uh, opted not to sign um, some of the flyweights and, and and they exited the UFC and there was only a handful left. But what we've seen is since that is really a bunch of exciting fighters sort of rising the ranks. I mean, of course, we have the two people that are involved in last week's main event in Devison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, but there's a bunch of other guys off the top of my head. I can think of uh, Ask- uh, Askarov um, and there's, there's, you know, there's a few fighters in that division that are kind of like sort of, it's sort of flourishing, and you've got a guy at the top, Devison Figueredo, who bangs, and he like he he comes to comes to throw heat, and that's a kind of what I think has been missing from the flyweight division. So it's really cool to see someone uh, with that sort of style, who's a champion of the of the flyweights, who really delivers on sort of exciting exciting bouts for the fans. Definitely that, and I think you know this division um, has sort of been mistreated and disrespected uh, by the UFC and by the the broader fan base for um, for a few years now. You know, Demetrius Johnson is consensus one of one of the the all time greats of the sport, right? And I think even with a person like that at the head of the division, the UFC really messed up by not bringing more shine to that division. It was looking up when Henry Cejudo sort of uh, took over the mantle from DJ. But mm-hmm. it's good to see now there's an exciting fighter who's who's putting on great fights, who's willing to defend his belt and is not afraid to to put all on the line. And we really saw that on Saturday. Um, obviously, Davidson Figueredo defended, defended his belt uh, a, a month ago at UFC 255. And Brandon Moreno was also on that card. Managed to spin it around and get them both back up uh, for, for this card. And it you know they really didn't fail to de- deliver. Um, where do we start, man? I mean, the fight itself was actually scored a draw, which is always interesting when a title fight ends that way. Uh, obviously, the belt stays with the holder. But how, how did you see it, Suf? I mean, it was scored a draw. I've seen people saying they thought Moreno won. I, I personally did did think Davison did enough to win the, the, mm-hmm. the fight. But obviously, the one-point deduction in round three sort of um, made it a draw. How did you see the scoring? I, I I tend to agree with you, man. I, I think Devison Figueroa did did enough to win the fight, even in spite of the fact he had one point deducted because he was fouling quite a bit. I mean, I think I think the, <laughs> I think the point deduction was uh, was due, and I think it was fair that the referee uh, did that. But I think even in spite of that, I think uh, Figueroa did enough to to beat Moreno. The one thing I'll say 
is that although I don't think that Davison Figueredo, you know, lost the fight, um, and and he gets to keep keep the belt as it as it was resulted in the draw. But Brandon Moreno, man, oh, man, the kid's got some stones, man. He's got some, he's got some cojones. Mm-hmm. He was in there at any because what we've seen of Davison Figueredo before is, you know, let's see, his two last fights against, um, with three last fights, they've all been finishes. And they've kind of, and you can see that the opponents are like, as soon as they feel his punching power, or as soon as they kind of feel that, like how strong he is, it's almost like they get like he's on the he's on the kill, and he's like hunting you down. He's super aggressive. But what we saw from Brandon Moreno is he was he was down to fight, he was down to scrap, and there wasn't any point in the fight where I saw and I was like, he's not in it, or he's nearly going to be out of there. Like I I thought that he was pretty much, you know, contending with the champion throughout throughout all five rounds. I think, you know, in the fifth round, Devison Figueredo took over because I think the pace that Brandon Moreno, you know, kept for, for, for the entirety of that fight was just insane. I didn't really know what to think of Brandon Moreno before because obviously he had, prior to this, he had been cut from the UFC and he had to sort of cut his teeth outside, outside of the promotion um, and then kind of earn his way back in. And since then, he's just he's just been very you know very active and very good, and he can see the improvements in his game. Um, yeah, awesome performance from both guys. Yeah, and and so to to kind of piggyback off that and talk a bit about Brandon Moreno, right? So obviously, with me being one of only six people in the world that actually watches the Ultimate Fighter still, I <laughs> I, <laughs> I still love it. Um, <laughs> I, I watched the season that um, uh, Moreno was on. I mean, yeah, was a, I was. On, I watched that one as well. Right, that was he, the DJ. DJ was the coach, right? Right, and he was the lowest seed on the tournament, and he he went out to uh, Alexander Pantoja, <clears throat> came into UFC, had a couple of good performances, and then lost two back to back, and he was cut, right? And that seemed like yeah. a harsh decision. He lost two decisions back to back, and since he's come back into the UFC, he's gone three zero and two, right? So no defeats, two draws, which is crazy. But mm-hmm. he he's shown a tenacity. Listen, when that fight was made, I really thought. Figueredo was going to blow the doors off of him, right? Mm-hmm. Because and this is no no knock on Figueredo, but he's he's a uh, like a bully style fighter, you know. He he gets in there, he's a big strong guy, and he's just he's just throwing heat the whole fight. And I just thought he was mm-hmm. going to blow Moreno away, and I was super impressed that Moreno uh, more than held his own, right? Uh, he more than held his own throughout the fight, and he did he did test Figueredo at times as well. He he pieced him up at certain times, and um, I think after around about round three, I thought. We were going to see Moreno possibly take over with the pace. I thought Figueroa might fade uh, because because of how big he is. You know, we did see um, after the fight he came out and said he'd been in hospital and that that sort of affected his his cardio in the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so big props to Moreno, big props to Figueroa for also putting on a heavy fight. Uh, the organization wants to go forward and uh, make a rematch, which I think is the only thing to do in the case of a draw for a title fight, right? Hundred percent, of course, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so I think it, it looks good for flyweights if they can spin that forward and, and maybe get another fight in February, a rematch, uh, keep the division nice and active. I think um, it it leaves the one twenty fives in good stead for next year. Uh, and Davidson Figueredo is a stud, man. I mean, that's his fourth fight of the year. He's had a strange year. There's been all sorts of craziness around his fights and stuff. But for a guy that was not very well known by the the fan base going into this year. To mm-hmm. had four fights, four title fights in in a year of pandemic, is really good for him, and I think um, we'll be hearing his name featured in the uh, MMA awards show next week. 
Almost certainly, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, not to sm- any spoilers, but yeah, Devinson Figueredo has had has had. He's, like you said, he had a strange year, but he's had a very very good year uh, as a champion. Um, obviously, he secured the belt and he's defended it. And yeah, I think uh, yeah, he more, almost certainly will be uh, featured in uh, next episodes where we hand out the prestigious. The the coveted prize inaugural of, inaugural bro. <laughs> inaugural yeah. uh, for Yogs um, MMA Awards Trophy of 2020. Okay, right, I'm going to introduce. I, I would really like to introduce uh, the next topic of the of, the, of this chat, uh, just because I want to get in there before you have a chance to gloat, Lewis. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, in the co-main event of uh, UFC 256. Uh, it was a match between two fighters in the lightweight division, Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira. Now, it was a pure single word that can define that match was domination. Uh, Charles Oliveira dominated t- Tony Ferguson um, from rounds one to rounds three, almost got a near submission, a near arm bar, which I think has pretty much destroyed Tony Ferguson's arm. But I need to, you know... I'll, I'll give Lewis the platform now because he's been singing Charles Oliver's praises. And yeah, I think on a prior episode, he actually said that this is a matchup that he'd love to see. Um, so yeah, Lewis, how do you feel, man? How does it feel? Yeah. So honestly, man, like I, I, I'm so happy to see, first of all, look, I love Tony Ferguson. He's one of the, the most intriguing characters in the sport. Right. And mm-hmm. to see him go on a two fight skid, you know, especially when he was so close to capturing gold, it sucks, right? Um, yeah. But to see him dominated in this fashion uh, by Charles Oliveira, I'm so glad it was Oliveira that did that because mm-hmm. I think this guy, listen, I what what he represents to me is evolution, right? Because you know I've sat there on the forums, I've spoke to people who have said, "Oh, Oliveira, oh he's lost to he's lost to Cub Swanson, oh he's lost to Cerrone, oh he's lost to Jim Miller." It's like, yeah, cool, he was 21. <laughs> he was 21 years old or he was not you know he came into UFC at 20 years old his development has taken time like anything in life you, you, you're not the finished article straight away right he's found his home at 155 and you know he's managed to sort of grow a fight IQ he already had the submission game but he's, he's, his fight IQ has evolved to a point now where I think he is seriously one of the best 155ers in the world right you know, we're on what fight eight now of a of a of a streak, which is seven finishes, and um, you know, I, I've just seen this evolution over the last two years, and and I'm so happy to see it come into fruition against you know one of the elites in the division on Saturday night. Um, what I noticed about his performance was that he seemed, and this is when I talk about fight IQ. He was he was looking for submissions yes but he wasn't chasing submissions right mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. taking his time he was respecting tony ferguson's game he you know he he gave him respect on the ground he he held position he didn't just wildly jump into submissions because he knows ferguson's a great jiu-jitsu practitioner in his own right mm-hmm. um and yeah it was just it was just, it was a complete performance he handed him on the feet and he dominated him on the ground um and i think i think Oliveira 2021 is going to make some serious serious noise in the division yeah, I mean, hundred percent. The way you characterised his career is definitely one that he's 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 evolved. He came into the UFC what in twenty ten, so he's been in the UFC. He's been in the promotion for ten years, 
And, you know, like you said, he's lost to people like Cerrone. He's lost to people like Cobb Swanson and Frankie Edgar along the way. But yeah, just constantly developing. And he's always been a threat. He's always been one of these fighters that, you know, dangerous, unpredictable. You know, once he has you wrapped up, once he has you on the ground, he's a problem. Uh, but you're right. He's, he's, he's shown now a kind of maturity in his game. And he's shown a kind of... Um, uh, he's shown that he's very comfortable in there. I think that's what it is. And that comes with being in a promotion for 10 years. He, he he knows all these different scenarios, what to do, how to be, you know, how he needs to prepare properly for, to fight a fighter of the caliber of Tony Ferguson. And I think you're right. I think, you know, Charles Oliveira in 2021, he already had the pr- great performance uh, against Kevin Lee, who was, you know, is another young prospect who, who might just as well have to go through that same learning process that Charles Oliveira has done um you know taking these losses early on in his career so i think you know and Ch- yeah so I- i'm really glad like you said he's signed to tony ferguson of course you know we need to talk about you know what's next for tony but what's next for charles Oliveira is it's only it's only up um you know when we you know when the, the lightweight divisions kind of obviously with the introduction of michael chandler it's kind of been talks of this sort of like mini tournament you know you've got gaichi in there potentially with chandler you've got dustin and connor and you've got um, obviously Khabib is the kind of what it sounds like is relinquishing the belt, but and Charles Oliveira is kind of left out of that of the, out of those discussions. And I think with a performance like this, you know, it's <laughs> it'd be very difficult to have that conversation about top challenges in the in the lightweight division without without mentioning Charles Oliveira. Um, so he did a fantastic performance, and he's kind of secured his spot as a as a as a threat and a contender in, in the lightweight division. In a division where there's a sort of a logjam at the top, you always get the sense there'll be a guy who misses out on his opportunity. And we've seen it with Leon Edwards at 170, right? Seen it with Tony with, Ferguson. Sort of Tony Ferguson, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right, exactly. In the same division where yeah. you can put great performances in, you can be a consensus, no top choice for a title fight. But for whatever reason, the way the stars align, it's just, it just doesn't happen for that person. Mm-hmm. And I just think with Charles Oliveira being the, the sort of anomaly in that top five, you know, he's the only non-English speaker for a start, right? Which unfortunately mm-hmm. always hampers a, a fighter's opportunities, right? Because in the, in the era of self-promotion, you're obviously at a disadvantage. But he speaks the language of violence, man. And that transcends <laughs> well, that transcends all barriers, all boundaries, right? Yeah. He really should be in his next fight fighting for some for some silverware, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think I think the Poirier fight, I think the Poirier McGregor fight um, will probably produce the next title challenger, right? Uh, but it all depends on what happens with Khabib at this point, right? It it really does. If if Khabib really is vacating, then maybe uh, we're going to see an interim fight between the winner of. Oh, sorry. Let me phrase that. If Khabib is vacating, I I can foresee a situation where the Poirier McGregor fight winner will face Charles mm-hmm. Oliveira um, for the full title, for the for the title, right? Be you, it think, you think you think McGregor's going to fight Charles Oliveira? Let's say he wins. You think that's, that fight's going to happen? I, I think if I'm McGregor, I'm looking at Oliveira thinking, I see holes, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think McGregor would fancy his chances on the feet with, with, um, with Oliveira. Mm, okay. Um, uh, you know, because as great as Oliveira has been, he's not the most polished striker. And if we're talking about pure striking, I still think McGregor's the best in that division, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, almost certainly. Um, is, is he a big enough name? I, I don't know. I, is that the issue? Maybe. 
Right. That's how I see it. Yeah, I, I just think at this stage, you know, McGregor is going to be very picky about <laughs> about who he fights. You know, he's, he, you know, he talked about a season and all this bullshit, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see a situation where he, let's say, he beats Poirier. I, I, I see the next fight they try to make is the Khabib fight, uh, or, 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 or if they can get him back. I, I just. I would love. I, I'd hate. I hate to say. I hate the, the fact that I'm having to say this, but and this is just the way the fight game is. But I don't see. I don't see Connor taking the fight with Charles Oliveira. So I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. But you know, kind of speaking of which, like obviously we're talking about opportunities and what's in sort of sort of in fate. You know, what's on the horizon for Charles Oliveira. But obviously we need to sort of discuss the loser in this situation, Tony Ferguson. Like we said before, like. He was on a. He was like Charles, Charles Oliveira. He was on a crazy win streak. He was, you know, beating all these all these fighters viciously as well. And he was the, you know, fan favorite. And he still is. But now this is two losses in a row. He took a hellacious beating from 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 Justin Gaethje, and now he was thoroughly dominated by Charles Oliveira. And it kind of begs the question, you know, is it? Is he the fighter that we know he once was? Is it is, sorry? Is he still the fighter that we know him to be uh, up until this point, or is it got has the game gone past him now? And is it, he's not he's no longer going to be that sort of Tony Ferguson who's the who was the you know whoever who all considered sort of the threat to Khabib's throne. Um, what do you kind of see, Lewis? In that, do you think Tony Ferguson still has some magic left, or do you think this is kind of the beginning of beginning of the end? Yes, if I, I do think that the sun is setting on Tony Ferguson's career now. Um, can he still beat top contenders in the division? Absolutely, right? The thing I'll say about Tony Ferguson, he, he does not have a style which is conducive to longevity, right? He is an, he's an attritional fighter by nature, right? And um, the thing with that is you're depending on your ability to withstand punishment and give out punishment. And that style eventually chips away mm-hmm. at your ability to take punishment. Um, I think in that Gaethje fight, we saw Tony Ferguson in, fr- in front of a guy who has the same attritional mentality, mm-hmm. but with less damage on the clock, De- less, less damage over time. Therefore, he could withstand the punishment that Tony couldn't. And I think what we're going to see now is 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 uh, a, a drop-off in, in Tony's competition. I could see him maybe fighting down the rankings, maybe okay. getting matched up with a Dan Hooker. Um, um, you know, because it's a possibility to maybe build Dan Hooker a bit off of Tony Ferguson's name. I, I just think the ship sailed for, for Tony on that one. As much as I love him, I just think we never got to see. He's 36, yeah, he's 37 now, right? Six, yeah, 37, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think we, we, we're never going to see him fulfill uh, his, his full potential. Um, and it just shows you how much of a, a sort of game of chance this sport is because, you know, when he fought for the interim belt, that could have mm-hmm. very easily been the full title, right? You know, all the times he was matched up against Khabib, it never happened. It's just, it's just one of those things that just, unfortunately, timing was never right for him. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think, I think we're we're seeing uh, we're seeing the sunset on Tony Ferguson's career. And there's no shame in him. You know, he's achieved he's achieved a lot of great things, but I think his style is just does is not conducive to him 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 sort of reaching the upper echelons or staying at the upper. Yeah, no, I think I think. Sorry, go on, Lewis. So. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so sort of, do you do you uh kind of, again, it's hard to kind of put 
to put Tony out to pasture. Yeah, but I how, tend how to do agree. I, I do tend to agree with you. Um, although as, as much as it pains me to say, because I've like like you, I've been a big fan of Tony Ferguson uh, and the work that he's done. But um, yeah, I think as well that the fact you know his style, the way it lends itself to you know doesn't lend itself to longevity, and the fact that he's kind of been the kind of he's always been that guy to go against the grain um and you know kind of do things you know he, he says he talks about like not having a proper uh proper camp and proper coaches you know he's his own coach he likes to manage his own thing he, he, he puts a lot of that on himself um and I don't know if that style is also and we see he, he achieved a lot of success up until that point but in terms of like when you get to you know at that stage in your career and you know, and the type of miles that you've built up on your clock, is it worth having someone to sort of make sure that you're, you know, not overtraining and managing your camp and and, and really taking up the reins on that? Because he did obviously have Eddie Bravo, and I can't remember the name of the, his boxing coach. It escapes me. Um, but he, but you know, though they they weren't in his corner uh, for the Charles Oliveira fight, yeah. which was interesting. So I don't know what I don't know what the situation with is on that, but like. I, I can't imagine that it's it's lent, it's sort of doing him any favors in that regard. Um, he sort of put it down to not feeling it and you know not being in the moment, which you know may have been part of it as well. But yeah, I tend to agree with you, man. It's it's, it's sad to see that you know he never held the full title, but um, and he had a lot of missed opportunities. But like I said, he still he still had a fantastic career, and we'll see what's next. We'll see. I can definitely see that that he gets. Uh, matched up with like a Felder or Hooker or someone like that, um, which could which could which could be interesting. So, so I I don't want to get into the, this this eulogizing of Ferguson when he's still very much you yeah. know in and around the top of the division, but I do you know when when you see someone convincingly beaten like this, it it does sort of pose some questions, right? And I was thinking about his career, right? And it's like, look, if I was to tell someone about Ferguson and and the the, the problems I see with him, you know, it's like he's he's entertaining, yes, but. He mm. wins fight of the night, right? McGregor wins performance of the night. Yeah, that's a difference in style because to be fight of the night, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're both getting <laughs> fucked up, right? Let's be real. And I'm looking at his record stuff, and it's like, okay, the Gates you fight fight of the night, Cerrone fight of the night, Pettis fight of the night, uh, RDA fight of the night, Benata fight of the night, Edson Bobova fight of the night. Now, all of those fights, apart from the RDA fight, mm-hmm. he got hurt in, right? He gets hurt in every fight, and I'm just I'm I'm thinking back, even against Lando Venatas, even against you know Anthony Pettis, who's well out of his prime now, he still got hurt, he still got dropped, and it's like that doesn't stand up. You, you know, Conor McGregor, for just for example, you know when he steps into the octagon, we're not seeing him take the damage. He's mm-hmm. not getting involved in fight the night, right? He's putting people away, not taking damage. Khabib, no. Khabib doesn't have five nights, right? No, yeah, I get, you. I get, yeah, I'm 100 percent on the and, same pages, yeah. You know, and again, I'm not going to be, I don't want to be a contrarian, I don't want to be like, oh, hot take, Lewis. But if you're going to look at Tony Ferguson, like, who's the best name on his resume? I mean, I'm not saying he's beaten nobody's, but you know, careful. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> it's, it's I'm yeah, well, well, no, but I, I do because I mean, I, I think because of the the, the windshield, because of some of those amazing fights, I think maybe. His his record does look a bit inflated because if you look at the names he's beaten, arguably the best fighter on there is RDA in terms of where RDA was at that point in his career. RDA yeah, yeah, had just yeah. lost the title, right? But 
you know, Patterson Soroni well past their prime, Kevin Lee. You know, I don't uh, know. I, I don't you know. know. You know, there are there are people, there are there are some people that hold that sentiment in terms of Tony Ferguson's career. And I think what you're seeing is, you know, you know, was it was it, you know, that father time got to him and that's why he had the performances against uh Gaethje and Oliveira. I tend to think that actually Tony Ferguson was able to get those victories based on pressure, attrition, and just the fact that he's a wild man and that he's an opportunist. opportunist. So when he sees a submission, when he sees a dust, sees a knockout, he jumps on it. Um, when he got to the higher levels where he's facing the gates and, and someone who's a specialist like Oliveira as well, um, you see that he's great in these facets in terms of striking and grappling. But when he's come against someone who's very disciplined, hits very hard, and or, and like or has excellent jiu-jitsu credentials, he can be controlled and he can be and he can be um, sort of dominated in that way. So, you know, was it that? Was it that? It's hard to say, isn't it? Because we never we never really know what what it was, and the magic was ten, was going to end at one stage or another. Um, it's just whether or not all those wars got to him and that's what resulted in these in these in these results these last two results or is it that he was always at that level and it's just that just because he was a step above that his level of opposition at the time he was able to sort of uh persevere and, and get the w um it's it's a debate i'm sure we can have but like i i i i whether whichever way it is, is like he's 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 a fighter that fight you know he's a fighter's fighter and he's a he's a fan you know pe the people love him um, and they rally behind him, so that will be his legacy and he'll be someone who did it his own way as well. So um, yeah, not to <laughs> not to eulogize it, but like yeah, that's kind of how I see Tony Ferguson's career up until this point anyway. Agree, man. Agree. Hope he can he can kind of turn it around going forward. Um, you know, like I said, killers at the top of that division, but. I'm sure they'll match him up in an interesting way going forward. There's a lot to get through on this card, right? Uh, some, I mean, the card itself was was electric. I mean, it was full of stoppages. Um, uh, so, yeah, to spin it forward, I, I want to really talk about um, another potential fighter of the year, uh, yeah. one Mr. Kevin Holland. Sort of, um, obviously, beat Jacare Souza by KO in the first round. To make it five for the year, five five in a year like twenty twenty when there's a pandemic, um, which is mad. Five fights in seven months. He he didn't start fighting <laughs> until May. So <laughs> unreal, unreal. Uh, so what do you make of it? The the the, the victory over over Souza and, and Kevin Holland. Yeah, I mean he's he, you're right. He's had a fa he's had a fantastic year. Um, he had the close fight with Dan Stewart. I think I don't know if that was the first or second fight in this in this streak, but he's um, he's mm. you know when Kevin Holland came into the um, I believe he was on the contender series. I think uh, he didn't get he didn't get the he didn't yeah. get the contract because he spoke too much. He didn't sort of finish the fight, um, and that's when Dana White called him in to fight uh, Tiago Santos, and that was his debut in the UFC. Mm. Um, and he was still talking shit then. He was getting he was getting his ass beat by uh, Santos, but he was still talking and still winning and uh, and still sort of putting up a fight. Um, he he didn't win that fight, but then we've that's I've never really sort of. He wasn't really on my radar in terms of like top contenders or someone who's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I thought he was just like a fun fighter, spoke a lot. And you're going to get some, you're going to get some exciting matchups out of him. But this year, and with the win over Jackeray, who's obviously granted, he's not, he's not, he's not at the peak of his career. He's, you know, he's on the down down slope. 
but the the creativeness of the finish and just <laughs> the way he was able to finish him and um think what jacare had like a single leg or he had a like he lifted up his leg and kevin holland just like planted one he posted on one his left and landed landed the landed the shots they kind of put him away with with his free hand with his right hand which is you know cr- very creative very devastating and it was a it was yeah it was a fantastic knockout um he's had a very good year um he's talking about wanting to fight Derek Bronson which I don't really understand I think he should be sh- you know shooting a shot a bit higher uh but he wants to fight he wants to fight Derek Bronson yeah. and he had a bit of a weird one because he was supposed to fight Jack Hermanson right and then something something and then and then he right. switched fights with Marvin Vittori Marvin Vittori ended up having a fight with Hermanson he had the victory and then now he's in he now Kevin Holland was put in this slot against Jacare so that was that was a bit that was a bit weird. So, Correct. but yeah, he 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 capitalized on it and he had a better performance than Marvin Vittori um, with with the finish and the sort of more clear cut victory. Um, and yeah, he's he's definitely sort of he now is definitely someone that should be on the tip of you know people's tongues in the middleweight division. He's he's definitely um, he has uh, yeah he's put himself in the conversation. Yeah, so he was matched up with. Um... With Hermanson, then Holland's mm. tested positive for COVID, was pulled from that fight, and then Vittori stepped in. Vittori got the win. Um, I think looking at the division, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't. Derek Brunson's ranked above him, mm-hmm. and he's got name recognition. I mean, and he's Brunson beat Shabazian, so maybe it makes sense. But I mean, you know, once you go above Brans, uh, Brunson, you're looking at like you know all the guys that are in and around the mix of the title fight, and I, I don't think Holland's at that level yet where he should. You know, I, I, I think Brunson's maybe mm-hmm. a sensible step up for him. You know, it's, it's enough of a enough of um enough of a high caliber opponent. You know, so people can't mm-hmm. say he's been given cans. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would like to see that. I mean, Calvin Gaslin's above him. Uh, I think Uriah Hall, that's, Calvin Holland, would make Calvin fight. Holland would make a great. I only say it because Jack Ray knocked out Bronson. Yeah, not too long. Yeah, correct. Not twice. Like, <laughs> yeah, twice. and not too long ago, like what, maybe a year or two ago. I can't remember exactly, exactly that. Mm, but yeah, but correct. but yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's, in terms of the rankings, it makes sense. But he just he's just come off a victory. Where, like you said, he's not he knocked him out twice. But yeah, could be could be could be interesting. Yeah, I I think um, you know, um, and something we've seen in the last few months, oh, in the last couple of weeks, is mass cuts from the UFC. I've, we've seen a lot of fighters go, and we will get into it later on when we talk about you know uh, Andy mm-hmm. Rumble Johnson leaving, Yoel Romero leaving. Um, I I think we might have seen the last for um for Jack Ray Souza as well. I think we might have seen his last uh, fight in the UFC. Yeah, man, it seems that way, isn't it? Because what the reason, the reason, the logic behind why the UFC didn't re-sign Romero is because he was old. And he lost, what was it like? F- four, last four of his fights, so, yeah. That's the same. <laughs> Jack Ray is in the same spot, so uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. I think when it comes to the cuts that are going to be released later this year, it could well be that you know we see Jack Ray moving over to um, one or Bellator or any other of the promotions, or maybe bare knuckle boxing. That'd be fun. I, I don't want to see Jack Ray. In that environment, I think like a guy of his if, of his uh, caliber, I would hate to see him in bare knuckle boxing. Uh, it'd make me so sad to see that, that his career has resor- resulted in that. Um, but whatever way you spin it, you know he's one and yeah. four in his last yeah. five, right? And you know at forty one years old, what's the upside to keeping him around? I think he's probably on a, on a fairly big contract, so it might it might be you know that might be it for him. And and obviously with Romero already leaving that division, it's it's good for a division when you see some sort of 
um, when you see these guys who are ingrained in the top 10 or sort of um, grandfathered in almost like a, mm-hmm. like a Chris Weidman who somehow <laughs> ranked at number 11, uh, um, it's good to see him go and, and sort of leave some space for some fresh blood in the division. Oh, yeah. So, so sort of on the main card uh, to round it out, obviously you had Mackenzie Dern, uh, hard fought decision victory over uh, Jander Roba. Um, not much to say on that one. Not much jiu-jitsu was involved, which I was a little disappointed in. But when you have two sort of high-level jiu-jitsu practitioners, sometimes it just results in a stand-up fight. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got with that one. But I do want to give some uh, some praise oh. to one Cyril Garn. Um, you know, much-touted heavyweight, goes to 7-0 and after a victory over former heavyweight champ JDS, Junior Dos Santos. So Cyril Garn looks he like does, the real deal, does. Right? You know, only 7-0 and uh in, in his record which is which is crazy so he's very young in in his in his uh career and in age as well uh for a heavyweight mm-hmm. it's it's crazy because i when i was looking when i was looking through their records and i could see that sort of junior santos has had what 30 fights uh majority of which have been mm. in the ufc and then uh siragana seven and oh you wouldn't and he's okay you know junior santos we all know former champion you know good boxing for the you know his last two three years He's been, you know, on the down end of his career, but he does, he has these moments of like, he's still little moments of magic, if you like, you know, he's still finishing. If you're not, if you're not elite uh, and you're just a step below, there's a good chance that General Santos is going to beat you. You know, he, you would never see this matchup in boxing. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine? Like, no. can, you, can you imagine? Like, <laughs> like, I don't know who's a young up in like uh, Connor Ben, like, say, for example, in Britain or like, a, or someone, you know, mm, someone who's mm. like, Highly touted, you know, exciting, you know, got some got some trust. They match him up like this is a baptism of fire, man. They put him in a Judo dos Santos, who's a former champion, dangerous fighter, and he delivered, man. He delivered the goods. So man, yeah, maybe he's the real deal. Cause as well, he's got like a wrestling submission game as well. Like he's not just he's not just a many knockout he's got as many submissions yeah, as he does exactly, have knockouts yeah. on his record. He's got three submissions. He comes from a Muay Thai kickboxing background, but mm. he's getting submissions on dude. He's a fucking yeah. athletic heavyweight, right? He's not. He's, he's not Roy Nelson. No. He's, he's he, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Technical striker. I think we've got a real problem in the heavyweight division because if you look at some of the guys at the top of that division, if you look at uh, like for example a Rosenstroik, mm. an Overeem, um, these guys are strikers, right? And I don't. I don't think Garn would have a problem mixing up with them on the feet definitely not Rosenstroke anyway um and then yeah I mean you know could you imagine Ghanu versus Ghanu Ngannou Ghan Ghan versus Ngannou boy boy you know yeah he's 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 you know he's a six foot five 260 pound pounder and I mean yeah I think uh I think great performance JDS man talk about nicest guys in sport JDS I think we said this uh ahead of his last fight lovely guy but I think again that's another one. We might have seen his last fight in the UFC. Um, he, you know, he's only thirty six. Are you? Are you? Are you shitting me? I've just seen that. Yeah, he's thirty six, but his brain is like a hundred. His okay. body is wow. blasted through the ringer. Like he, yeah, come on, man. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, is it? It's thirty six years old. That's that is crazy. What the hell? That is mad. I mean, and for context, for context, everyone listening obviously you know 36 if you're a lightweight is is old we said yeah. ferguson's getting up yeah. there in age at 36 37 but for heavyweight, 36 is you like just you're just getting started, started. Yeah, exactly. yeah yeah the average age of yeah. heavyweight and that's what i mean about siragana being really young like um he's only 30 years old right 29 30 so it's like yeah it's uh that is crazy 36 yeah 
But that's what I mean. It's the mileage on his body, man. Think of yeah. the mileage. The junior, the wars that he's been through with Cain yeah. Velasquez and whoever else. Like, yeah, he's been for the ringer, man. Yeah, and he's getting stopped in yeah. all of his fights, stuff, right? I mean, he's getting he's getting stopped. His last four fights have all ended by TKO. Uh, he's not made it out of the second round in all four of those fights. I mean, he's he's fought in Garnu, Blades, Rosenstreak, mm-hmm. and Garn. Uh, but I think we're at a point now where, um, you know, the, the the organization owes it to sort of say, hey, can we con- can we continue to put this guy out there knowing the consequences, yeah. right? Um, I'm just looking at the heavyweight division. And I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, you'd expect Ngannou to fight for the belt next, depending on what John Jones is doing. But yeah, I, I think JDS is sort of, um, doesn't seem to have a future in the division. No, I tend to agree. And you're right. And like you said earlier, it might be a case that he's one of the one of the fighters on the chopping block as well. I tend to think maybe not because of the how yeah. it's not like heavyweight isn't like popping off as much as the other divisions. So maybe they'll keep him around for name yeah. value. The fact that he's Brazilian as well for that market, maybe he that's maybe that's yeah. saving him a little bit. And there isn't this like surge of young contenders coming through in the heavyweight division. So maybe that he has that for him. But you're right, man. Maybe maybe it could be it could very well be he he moves over to Bellator and or some other division, and and uh, that's where he that's where he uh, sees out the rest of his career. <laughs> Okay, so other notable performances on the card stuff. Uh, I think the, the the standout from that the undercard or the, the prelims has to be mm-hmm. Rafael Fiziev. One hundred percent, man. He is. Yeah, I, I'm seeing this from. I don't know where I'm seeing this from, but you know, like you know, like uh, you know, all these people from where? Where is this guy actually from? Let me just let me just get this right. Is he from Kazakhstan? Kazakhstan? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he was born in Kazakhstan. He's Azerbaijani, but like, yeah, he he's going he's yeah. going he's going down a different path, and he's keeping the mustache, whereas he's not shaving shaving mm-hmm. the shaving like Khabib does, and all the other people with Zs and Ks and however many what crazy <laughs> crazy letters in their name. He's actually like you know, okay. First of all, his striking is just stupid, lights out, like, and I, and 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 Moikano was doing well. That's the crazy thing. The the commentary up until the up until the to the finishing sequence was that oh my god McCann, Mike Connor's doing well he's holding his own blah 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 but yeah Fiziev was just <laughs> he was just waiting man he was waiting to send him to I don't know man the bottom level of hell man with that with that combination that that left the timing on it and like how he changed it up and oh man it was beautiful it was a thing of beauty it was honestly what a performance by Fiziev against someone who's like very skilled and is he's a problem as well. Moicano is still young in his career as well. He still has a lot to, to in terms of in his horizon. But as I was saying for you off the, off the, off the air, like you can't stand and trade with this guy. You just can't like, it's just not a good idea. You need to, you need to get him down to the ground and, 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 and wrestle him. That's because, you know, standing up with him is just a recipe for disaster. Um, uh, the, the thing about Fiziev, he, um, that that combination. How did he end the fight? Was it left to the body, left to the head, right? Uh, no, so it was left to the head, right to the body, and then there was like yeah. a pause, and then there was a left hook to the head that finished it. A yeah, long, long left, left hook. Well, yeah. yeah, it was really yeah. tight, man. There was no wind up. It, that was the that was the crazy mm. thing about it. Like the left hook was just like it was beautiful. Like it was it was it was it was yeah. yeah. It wasn't like a massive wind up. It was just like a tight left hook after the after the body shot. And yeah, spun the Moicano's head off. 
beautiful. And, and I mean, the stoppage itself, initially when I saw it, I, I saw Moicano scrambling to the referee saying, hey, why did you stop the fight? I was like, man, bullshit stoppage. And literally in the blink of an eye, I saw Moicano end up on his butt when he tried to stand up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, great, great stoppage, you know, because I think, um, you know, seeing a fighter protest a stoppage, like, oh, he's fine, bad stoppage, you know. But he was out, man. He was yeah. out. Yeah, you're right. He, he, at first, it did look like the stoppage was, was a bit pre, you know, a bit early, a bit a bit trigger happy. But you're right. When the referee separated the two fighters and Moicano tried to get up, he did stumble. He, he stumbled quite a lot. He had real difficulty getting his balance. So you know what? Yeah. You know what? What do we want to see? Do we want to see him land? Because the right was on the wall at that point. What he's going to do land a couple more shots and put him out cold. Is that really what we want? I get maybe if that's what you want. Yeah. Fair enough, but. Yeah, man, it, that was that was uh, yeah. There was there was no way that he wasn't winning that in that round. Yeah, a, a high level strike, and he throws everything with bad intentions. Um, I think most people he came onto most people's radars earlier this year with the the um, the fight against Mark G. Casey, where he did that sort of Matrix esque uh, uh, lean sort back, of yeah. head movement, <laughs> lean, lean back, back. Yeah, Fat Joe would have been proud of that. Yeah, crowd, like, lean back. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, you almost you almost smacked. Uh, He's born the same year as me. Fucking hell! I just saw that. <laughs> well, I literally just saw that. He's born '93. I just saw that '93. I was but, like, but, okay. But. He's only a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and I'm a purple belt, so... Loser. <laughs> Loser. You could smash him. You'll smash him. Nah, he would fucking end my life, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's little, man. He's only 5'8". He's only 5'8". We don't... You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, he's a scary, scary addition to the to the, uh, to the the lightweight division, who's, which is already the most stacked division in the UFC and in, in all organisations. Um. I'm really excited to see what this guy does in 2021. Yeah, agree, man. It's going to be really interesting to see how they um, sort of push him next. Because I think, you know, a step up in competition is is definitely the right move for him mm -hmm. next up, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because he's... I would love to see him... Yeah, because he's starching, he's, starching, he's starching people and he's always outclassing them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if this is going to happen because I think he went down to 145, but I'd love to see him versus Barbosa. <laughs> oh, we. Yeah, that'd be nice. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That'd be a good fight. Yeah. Well, who would you like to sit? Let's do a little. Let's do a. Little, let's put our little Sean Shelby. Uh, who's the other guy? Who's the other matchmaker? Um, Eric Silver. Eric Silver. <laughs> Eric Silver. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Nice. Um, uh, Mick Maynard. Mick Maynard. McMaynard. Yeah. yeah, Joe Silver. Yeah, Joe you turn back the clock on that one. Yeah, Joe Silver back. In yeah, the day, yeah. yeah. I actually think Barbosa's. I'm saying everyone's getting cut. I know I'm saying that a lot, but I think I think Barbosa might be getting. For real, cut you well. think? Yeah, I think so, man. I think his his the writing's on the wall for him. I, uh, okay, you know, well, he lost three straight at 155. Uh, well, no, lost two in a row at 155. Went down to 145. It's always a bad sign when you go down a division and you're still losing. Yes, that is not. Is not ideal. No, it's a Barbosa won his last fight. No, against Macron Americano. Against uh, yeah? yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. I, okay. I think um, who we need to match Fizzy up with next. Whew. Uh, do you know who would be good? Gregor Gillespie, just to because obviously he wrestles, so maybe that could be interesting. Yeah. Or like Drew Dober. Yo, <laughs> I like that. The Dober, the Dober man. <laughs> How good would that fight be? Because <laughs> Dober, because like Dober's a, a good striker as well, man. He's obviously don't stand with mm -hmm. this guy, but 
he can mix up the wrestling as well. Like Dober's 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 decent, man. I like Dober. And he's at he's at 15 as well. So he'd be just finding mm-hmm. uh getting into the rankings. I like that fight a lot. Yeah, I like that one as well. I think, yeah, I like that one. Dro Dober Gillespie. Yeah, any anyone sort of above the top ten, like top ten mm-hmm. down, so ten yeah, down, yeah, yeah. right? If that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Um yeah, I could see that. I mean, there's some really fun matchups for this guy. I mean, Paul Felder matchup would be Ooh. great, I think, as well. Yeah. Right? But I don't know if Paul Felder's ever going to fight again. So. Paul, Paul Felder's at eight. That's mad as well. That's yeah. That's crazy. How is he ranked at yeah. eight? Anyway. I know, right? <laughs> I know. But yeah, it's. Uh, I'm excited to see where 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 Water Fizzy have done, who he starches next. So sign me up. <laughs> who so, next? so everyone aboard the hype train yeah, now. Yeah. Bro, trust me. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the hype train. I'm on it. I want the hat. You know that hat? I want everything. I want his t-shirt. Um, sign me his up. His hat's cool. Yeah. <laughs> sign me, sign me up. <laughs> These guys from the Caucasus, the Eastern European, Central Asian guys in the sport right now, man, I'm loving it. The, the Georgians are bringing something really cool to this table. Uh, I think homeboy uh, Giga uh, Chikadze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like what he's doing. Some other Georgian guys, um, and then yeah, I mean this, you know. There's 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 a lot of hap- happening from that part of the world, and they bring a real charisma to the sport, which is is a refreshing change from just like Brazilians and Americans. <laughs> All right, man. So I think we we uh, sufficiently got into two fifty six, but man, since we last spoke, there's been a lot happening in the sport, and um, as we mentioned, the UFC made uh, or a host of free agents in the last couple of weeks, and they've said they're going to release around sixty fighters, most notably Yoel Romero. Uh, he was released a couple of weeks ago and we were sort of unsure of his his fate and it got announced earlier this week that he has signed with Bellator. Uh, so, so with Romero out of the UFC, how are we going to remember his run in the, the sports premier organization? I mean, Romero is a, well, he's like 44, right? Mm-hmm. He's a marvel of of biology, basically. He's 44 is like 30 years old, maybe. Who knows? Mm. Like, he's just a freak specimen. And throughout his UFC career, he's he's just been someone that is... He's always displayed his his athleticism. He's had, And he's had a crazy... You know, in some of his fights, he's always... he's always Something mad was always going to happen. Like, whether it was the stool gate against the Tim Kennedy, whether it was the um, no for gay Jesus after his... <laughs> after his fight <laughs> Or if it was his, you know, his weird fight with Israel Adesanya in his in his in his championship fight with him, or or you know missing weight and beating Luke Rockhold, it was always something that was going. Not, not in the cage, he delivered all the time. Well, bar bar the Israel fight, he delivered and he put on his like his his uh, his athleticism uh, on display, and it was always surrounded outside. Uh, outside of that, it was always surrounded by mystery and just crazy, crazy stuff that would happen both inside and outside the octagon. Um, I remember R- Romero as just a, like I said, just a freak athlete, a freak specimen who, due to his own inability to make weight one time, he missed an opportunity to become interim interim middleweight champion. And he, but he was always there. He was always, he was always the boogeyman of the division, um, and that's why Israel Desanya wanted to fight him, despite being on the losing streak. Because the, even even though he'd lost to Paulo Costa on the judges' scorecards, a lot of people thought that he won. But everyone knows that Yoro Romero is easily the scariest fight in the division, in the middleweight division at the time, and still probably now. So 
Um, that's how I think, at least how I remember your Romero's running the UFC. You know, he came in already well into his 30s, right? His first fight seven years ago. So he's what, 37, 36, 36 years old, man. So it's like, yeah. you know, he, he did a lot, right? He went on that, that great run where he won, what, uh, eight straight in the division. Um, you know, notable names on his resume, Chris Weidman, uh, when that actually meant a lot more than it does now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Machida, Souza, Luke Rockhold. Um, and I think he, I think he achieved a lot given his age and, and the, the the starting age in the sport. I think him getting released makes sense from a business standpoint. I think um, he's a guy who, at that age, do you keep putting him in there? And he's not getting starched. Let's just put it right. He's not getting starched. No. This is not. We're not talking about JDS, who's got four straight knockout defeats, right? He, no one's, no one's starching Romero. Right? No. That hasn't happened. We haven't seen that. I did wonder when they initially announced that if he had received a USADA ban, you know, he notified the UFC and that maybe the UFC said, okay, look, we can't afford you to sit on the shelf for a year. We're going to let you go. And they've, they've kept the thing under wraps because I think USADA have a policy of not announcing, publicly announcing the bans anymore. That's right, okay. right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, they don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, th- I thought maybe that was it, and I, I, you know, I was a sort of theory that I was running with. But we've seen that he's been signed by Bellator, so you know he's going to go across to there and fight at two o five. Um, and he can use all the roids he wants there. So sweet. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> uh, because they're not, they're not, they're not governed by your side over at Bellator. Now, stuff. I mean. You know, him going over to 205 at Bellator sounds great. You know, cool. There'll be some interesting fights for him. he maybe get a belt. What makes this a whole lot sweeter is the fact that probably the second most notable free agency of the week mm-hmm. uh, was one Anthony Rumble Johnson, who has yeah. now joined Bellator MMA. It's crazy, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's, yeah, very quickly, just in a, just in a week or two weeks, uh, Bellator's light heavyweight division has... Before there was always the kind of discussion. You, know, you had Ryan Bader, you had uh, who's the other gentleman as a chant Nemkov, Nemkov. Um, and then you've got Corey Anderson, who's also you know a couple of months ago he was a free agent who's now he's already here is he's already had his first fight in Bellator. He beats twenty five eight, so I mean, and he beats twenty five. No, that's is that still his name? No, it's not. It's overtime. It's overtime. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that was a good move because the twenty five eight was yeah. I didn't, didn't... Yeah. No, no. his nickname was Corey Beaston twenty five eight. And... I see. Well, come on, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I prefer the overtime. <laughs> but yeah, is yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I digress. I digress. <laughs> I, digress. I digress. But yeah, so, so yeah. I digress. <laughs> I know you say I digest. I digest. Yeah. I digest. Yeah, I digest. <laughs> Shout out Renato Lorenzo. <laughs> but yeah, so. The um, uh, yeah, Rumble signing is and and see so this this just with those two signings and the Corey Anderson signing previously. Obviously, it's, it's no John Jones, it's no Jan Blackowitz, but um, it's you know, it's competitive in terms of the caliber of you know light heavyweight in the UFC and in and in uh, Bellator, and it creates some very interesting matchups. Rumble Johnson, you know, arguably on any night, well. He could he could put anyone's lights out. Um, yeah, Daniel Cormier kind of big brothered him um, mm. in his in his in his last in his last fight for the UFC, which uh, which result which then he 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 retired after that fight, right? He retired he he retired after Correct. the Daniel Cormier loss. Yeah. Um, and then there was kind of mumblings about him coming back and fighting John Jones, and everyone that got sort of big fanfare. And we thought that you know 
Rumble would always be in the UFC, and then his 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 return would be in, into the octagon. But for whatever reason, the UFC and himself couldn't see eye to eye, and he's over at Bellator. To be honest, I I like. I mean, I would have loved to have seen Rumble at heavyweight um, in the UFC. That could have been exciting, but I like this as a compromise. Um, and I'm, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many exciting fights. I can just think, you know, the Ryan Bader rematch with Rumble. So obviously that mm. fight didn't go, oh, go too well. <laughs> yeah. That was that was that was scary. But yeah, so but yeah, there's just so many good fights for Rumble and for Romero. And I'm hearing as well that there's there's, there's apparently their first fights in the UFC will be against uh, in Bellator. So will be against each other. Amazing. Uh, so that would be spectacular. So yeah, I mean, props to Bellator. Um, who I think should these are the types of signings that they should be making. You know, Scott Coker kind of said that we're not into signing old guys um, when he was asked about whether he'd be signing Yoro Romero or not. Uh, when he's, he doesn't want to sign the OGs. But I don't know, man. I think I think those are the types of, of fighters that Bellator should be should be signing in order to boost their brand. It's the fighters that are... Because they're not going to get, you know, the you know the fighters who are kind of in their peak title contenders at, in the UFC. They're going to get the fighters that have built up a brand, built up a name, and they can carry that over to Bellator um, and and kind of raise their profile, raise Bellator's profile and other fighters on the on the Bellator um, uh, roster as well. So, yeah, I mean it's exciting times, and uh, I'm really excited to see which matchups they they opt to go with in this uh, new newly uh, flourishing light heavyweight division that Bellator has. The only person to beat Rumble in the last eight years, admittedly, he hasn't fought for four years. But, you know, the last person to, he lost to is Daniel Cormier, right? He hasn't mm-hmm. lost since 2012 outside of that. So, I mean, he lost you know... The scales. He, he lost to the scales. Oh, he did. He did, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, he did. I mean, yeah, for the record, I mean, this is got up for 170 at one point. Yeah. And now we're talking about him going up to heavyweight again. So, it's, you know, yeah. Weight management is not his... Uh, is not his especially since he, he retired and started lifting weights all the time, he was easily 250, like, uh, easily. Yeah, easy about 350. So. Definitely. Yeah, he's, he's a big boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll see. So, and last but not least, Lewis, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this. I mean, this is not exclusively MMA news, but uh, we have to talk about it because it's because it's huge. So, the Paul brothers, uh, Logan and what's, what's the other one's name? Jake. Logan and Jake. <laughs> Jesus. Mate, I don't Logan... blame you, mate. <laughs> Logan and Jake Paul. Uh, they are, you know, YouTube, for those of you who don't know, they are um, uh, YouTube sensations. They have a massive oh. cult following on YouTube. They do a bunch of wild shit on there. But uh, of late, they have uh, both, both of both of whom have kind of had a foray into boxing. Um, the the younger brother Jake has realised a bit more success in his last fight. He, he knocked out former. NBA, I don't know what sort of title he has. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Nate Robinson. He's a he's a he's a, he's a, a slam dunk competition winner. I don't know. That's what right. I mean. Yeah, but he's he's no scrub bars. He's a professional athlete. Basically. He's a professional. <laughs> a- yeah, he's a professional athlete. Yeah. yeah. And Jake Paul sent him to hell. Like he, like, yeah, he was. It was. It was brutal. It was bad. Um, and it kind of like, I think that 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 result kind of, I mean, obviously these aren't like massive professional boxers but both of these both of these guys have kind of really dedicated themselves 
um, to the sport, to the craft. Yes, they're not going to be, you know, Floyd Mayweather or, you know, Conor McGregor, but they're in, in, in any time soon. But they're putting in the work and they've, they've really built an interesting business model where they can just fight these, like, celebrities, earn a bunch of money, and they're going to look very good doing it as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who actually takes up the fight next. But so obviously uh, we've got you've got Jake Paul who's had the success, and Logan Paul has recently signed uh, to fight Floyd Mayweather in the new year, which will <laughs> which will be interesting. I mean, he, he he outweighs he outweighs Mayweather by about forty pounds. He's a um, big boy. Yeah, he's a big boy, but this is Floyd Mayweather. You know, the greatest one of the greatest boxers to ever lace up a pair of gloves. Um, Lewis, what? what... <laughs> I guess for me, the question I want to know is like, what do you think this does for the sport, both you mixed martial arts and um, and boxing uh, and, and boxing? Because we've seen that Jake Paul is kind of calling out Dylan Dallas, calling out McGregor. He's you know, he's uh, he's doing madness. But do you think this kind of it does good for the sports or or not, or does it does it taint it? I'm in, I'm in favor of it, and I'll tell you why, right? I like boxing. I love MMA. I'll tune in. I'll tune into every MMA card going, and I'll tune in when there's a big boxing match on, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people who don't give a shit about boxing, right? They don't yeah. care. They don't tune yeah. in. Now, the the pull that the the pull that these Paul brothers have with that generation, the the younger generation, the YouTube generation, it's huge, man. And the fact is, it's going to bring eyeballs to the sport, right? It's going to get people tuned into boxing matches who don't normally watch it, who don't normally pay to see the sport. And and the the, the, the price of that is that we have to have these like very untalented, you know, not, not professional standard boxers headlining cards. So be it. I mean, I remember the KSI versus Logan Paul um, match. The second match, the first match they sold out London, the second match they did it in the US, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I watched this... And listen, okay, it was headlined by KSI and Logan Paul, not boxers, a couple of YouTube personalities. But on the undercard, man, they had Billy Joe Saunders, who is, uh, you know, is a, is a world champion, you know, British high-profile boxer. Uh, young Devin Haney on the undercard, who's like, you know, an up-and-comer uh, from out here in Oakland, who's, you know, really touted future prospect, right? It's given these fighters an opportunity to capture a bigger audience. Mm-hmm. And that can't be a bad thing. It's bringing eyeballs to the sport, and that can't be a bad thing, right? Because if you get 10 million people by a pay-per-view, and if, 900, if 9 million of those people watched it once, watched the sport once for that, and don't watch it again, so be it. But if we retain a million new fans to the sport who are like, oh, Devin Haney, I remember him. He fought in the KSI card. You know, it, it, it helps grow fighters' profiles, and that can't be a bad thing to me. Do you, do you think it's transferable though? Like, do you, do you actually think that that happens? Do you think that they they watch, you know, these little kids or whatever, whoever, whoever these Logan Paul, whoever the fans of these Logan Paul, Logan Paul brothers? I keep saying Logan Paul brothers. I, I don't these, know, bro. <laughs> I, listen, I, I met one of them. I met one of them in in LA a couple of years ago, right? Oh, right, for real? Right, okay. Yeah, the, when when he was training for the KSI fight, I just, and uh, he it was when he just first started training, and I, I walked up to him outside a cafe, and I was like, "You're you're that Paul guy," and he's like, "Yeah, I'm that Paul guy." And I was like, "So you're gonna fight? Who are you gonna who are you gonna be fighting KSI? You think you could take him?" He's like, "Man, I'm gonna kill that fool," and uh, and I, I was sizing him up a little bit, as you do. I was just yeah. sizing, and I was like, "This motherfucker's big." Like I was like, "You know what I mean?" Yeah, Logan Paul's a big boy, man. He's a, he's like yeah. a wrestler as well. He like he's yeah. a division two or something. He wrestled like he's yeah. he's not. Yeah, he's not. He's an athletic dude. 
Um, so having said that, I still don't can't tell the fucking difference. I always get the names mixed up. I still don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I guess my question is like, okay, have we seen like they? Okay, they, I give you an example. They they watch a Logan Paul fight, right? Uh, and it has you know who does it have on the undercard? I don't know Devin Haney or whoever. Let's say this card. Are they going to be tuning into uh, Canelo versus Liam, uh, Callum Smith? Those same, they're not. I, I don't know if that's true. Like, I don't know if, like, they watch a Logan Paul fight and then they go, hmm, yeah, I think I'm going to tune in for maybe they do. Maybe there are some that do that. And I, I don't know what the sort of conversion rate is, but this like narrative that, like, yeah, it's good for the sport. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know because it brings eyes, it brings eyes, and it's going to create more longevity. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen the numbers, so I don't know. But like, I'm just, it's just a question really to see, like, if do you actually think that's the case like but yeah just to sort of play devil's advocate really well well so if it's not if it's not a good thing is it does that necessarily mean it's a bad thing right like is it detrimental to to the glorious sport of boxing well it could be bad if like for example let's say it would i would only say it's bad if uh let's say you had a fight like um i don't know a very good fight let's say errol spence first uh, terence crawford yeah, mm-hmm. let's say you had Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford, and you finally were able to make that fight on PBC, and then uh, you're able to make the Logan Paul, uh, sorry, Jake Paul versus fucking I don't know Mark Wahlberg fight or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then that's that's on the main that's the main event. That's when I would begin to say that that hurts boxing because yeah. what should be the coveted prize, what should be the thing that's the crown jewel at the top, should be the most competitive, the most whatever, you know, it should be the the, the most prestigious fight and where, where two of the best athletes are going to compete against each other for a title. That's what I th- that's when I think it starts to hurt the sport. If we ever get to a position where you've got two, you know, you've got in a situation where the, it doesn't matter that you're the best in your field, in your craft, uh, these people bring more eyes and they're going to be sitting at the top. So that's where I think it hurts the sport um if that if that was a situation as to happen and arguably it has when you've got you know billy joe saunders who granted he's not a, you know he's not a, you know he's not uh internationally well-renowned but he he's a very good boxer and he should be his way went on top of in terms of that middleweight division and he should be fighting for um should be fighting for that title uh but he was on he was on the undercard so yeah i don't know that's just that's kind of my take on it Look, for him fighting Floyd Mayweather is just insanity to me. That that that's more harmful to Floyd Mayweather's legacy than it is to the legacy of boxing or to the reputation of boxing. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, stuff. The only reason any of these people do any of these things is for the for the money, right? It's all about the paycheck Ooh, at the end of the day. And there's no there's no fight that could bring back Mayweather that's going to make him more money than this fight right now. May with well, let me with the caveat with as little risk as possible, right? No, definitely. Uh, well, that's the thing. If, if Mayweather was a, like an active competitor, uh, you know, and he was someone that was in the division, maybe I'd agree, but he's kind of like this like weird little celebrity fighter. He's, 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 he's not really in the talks of like, I'm going to tune in, make no mistake about it. I'll, I'll get down and dirty and I'll, I'll watch it. I don't want to sound like I'm this like purist and I'm just like, Oh no, this is not, this, you're, just, you're, you're, you're destroying the sanctity of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I like freak shows personally. I think they're really fun, but, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. To see. I, 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 hope, I do think Mayweather will probably knock him out, um, which would be, which would be fun to watch as well. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
Right, and on that note, I think we'll uh, we'll end it before I, I I can't really bring myself to talk about Logan Logan Paul and Jake Paul anymore. Um, this has been a really fun episode, though, man. Uh, talking about the fights, and it's a nice setup uh, to the year-end MMA awards. Thank you all for listening. I've been Sufian, and I've been Lewis. And until next time, keep your hands up.